Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You are locked on, locked on, locked on Hornets, your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Hornets. Thanks for listening. Please take a second to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Hornets and subscribe and rate us on iTunes. That's how hardcore Hornets fans like yourself find this podcast. Over the next few weeks, we will be recapping every player's season. We'll also be introducing you to some of the prospects the Hornets could target in this year's NBA draft. And, of course, we will keep you updated on all of the news you need to know around the Charlotte Hornets. Joining me this morning, if you watched our live show this season, you know her as Calamity James. She's also a producer here on the show. Claire James. Hello, Claire. Hello, hello. All right, you're here today to talk about Frank Kaminsky and the season that he had uh, second year for Big Frank, and yeah. there were some positives, there were some negatives, yep. and a lot of times the positives showed up all in one night, and then in another the night, would show all up. the negatives right. would show up. So well, I guess that's where you want to start with Frank Kaminsky's season, the big word uh, on our minds, and I think fans' minds, and also some people in the front office made this pretty clear, that uh, his season was inconsistent. Absolutely. And you saw that not only with his shooting percentage, but also, you know, pretty much all around. I think that if he had a bad shooting night, it affected him in other ways, especially on the boards and and defensively. And he started making sloppy passes if he wasn't shooting. So I think that if he didn't have a good shooting night, basically the rest of his game kind of started to slowly fall apart. 22 of 75 games played this season. He shot 30% 30% or less. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when those games were games that he started this season, and he got a few of those with Cody Zeller being out um, after the Roy Hibbert trade, mm-hmm. uh, y- y- those were devastating because they would be, it wasn't, uh, you know, one of six, it was one of 11, <laughs> you know, that kind right. of thing. And that would, that would hurt the entire team. Uh, but let's talk about some positives. I thought his uh, pick-and-pop game this season uh, really developed. If there was one place he could consistently make a three-point shot, it was in the pick-and-pop. Uh, he was 40-plus uh, percent from three in that pick-and-pop situation. That was good for 78th percentile. And that's going to be a major part of his offensive game moving forward. And what you like about that is that not only was he knocking down the three, but he was setting good screens to set those pick-and-pops up, to slide over, get in the right position, and knock down the shot. Uh, that's going to open up a lot of things for this offense if that continues to develop. No, absolutely. And in, if, especially in those situations, it makes it tough on the defender as well. So if the defenders switch on those pick and rolls and he's got a smaller guy trying to defend him as he shoots over him, basically. Um, if his guy stays with him, then usually he has to do some sort of recovery. And if Frank can get that shot off quickly, off the pass, off the pop, and 
make it consistently, then that's going to create a lot of issues for the people who are defending him. It was, but it was a spot up game. I thought the the times when the ball found him, uh, you know, in the corner or on the wing mm-hmm. uh, from beyond the arc, and he was wide open because you know Kimball Walker or Nick Batum do such a great job of moving the defense. Right. Jeremy Lamb as well when he played off the bench, um, but that spot up game just really failed him. You know, just not being able to knock down those shots, and I, and I think. When you look at his stats in terms of guarded unguarded threes, it's not it's not terrible. Like the, the unguarded threes, he hit them at about an average clip, maybe slightly below average. But again, it was the consistency. It was the nights when you when you're watching you know 82 games, they start to blend together, and so you have these memories that pop out. And I think for fans, they have a couple of memories of him going you know uh, 0 of 12, right. uh, you know, and and uh, you know missing all six of his three pointers. Those memories stick out. No, absolutely, and and those are frustrating moments for fans. I was frustrated by them as well too. And but I think for for Frank, he needs other people, like you mentioned, Nick Kemba, to draw the attention of the defense away from him in order for him to be open. He has mm-hmm. a very difficult time creating his own shot and you know, which is not surprising, but at the same time, you know, he does rely so much on his other teammates in order to get him those opportunities that it can be frustrating when all of a sudden, you know, they work so hard to get him wide open shot and he and he does go like oh for six. That's it, a good point. The the Hornets did really do a great job this season, I thought, of finding creative ways to get Kaminsky open, not just from the three-point line, but also get him moving towards the basket. I thought they did a great job of finding him uh, off off cuts, off screens, um, having him set pin down screens and then flaring to the wing for a lead pass that would give him the space that he needed to use his He's got tremendous skill and, and of course, good length uh-huh. to get to the basket and be effective. And you look at his synergy numbers, and when he did get to the basket, um, he was very good at converting. Because, look, he's mm-hmm. th- he doesn't have a post-up game. The, no. You know, Cl- Clifford talked last season about being disappointed that they weren't able to get him involved in more post-ups. I think you saw this season that it's okay if he's not involved in the post-up right. because he just doesn't have the size, the strength. Uh, to really do anything with with the post up game, but the way they were able to find him in places that he could, you know, wiggle, worm his way, use his he's got quickness once he's up in the air. He takes like he takes a little bit to get going, right? Uh, but once he does get his stride, he he's really good at just sort of positioning himself and his mm-hmm. and using that length to convert at the basket. You know, you were mentioning the pick and pops earlier, and, and there are plenty of times when he would set the pick, pop out, get the ball, and take it to the basket. And, and mm-hmm. I thought that he showed, you're right, like he was great when he was doing that. But again, it had to come off of uh, someone else creating a diversion. And and if you're getting the ball off of that pop, again, you know, depending on whether or not the defender switch, they're still at a disadvantage because if his defender stays with them, he's going to have to recover and he's probably off balance. And that's when you can take it to the to the basket. Um, if the defender switched on him, then, you know, he's got he's usually setting the screens for Kemba. So that means he's got some little guy on him and he's going to have to, you know, the little guy's not going to stop him. Um at the same time, though, I think it would be nice, even though I'm not surprised that he can't create his own shot, I think it would be nice to see him start to get a little bit more creative once he gets the ball. So either, you know, helping draw the attention away from Kemba and from Nick, um, or even just being able to just have a quick step or a quick step move that he can use to at least throw his defender off. I think that I would like to see him 
develop that. Okay, I, I'm going to admit something mm-hmm. that I don't admit very often. Oh, I gosh. was I was a little bit wrong. So I'm looking at these. <laughs> I wanted to make sure. I wanted to double check these synergy numbers. So on catch and shoots, when he's unguarded, uh, it happened uh, 45.8% of times that he had a catch and shoot opportunity. He was um, actually very below average, uh, shot 46% on those attempts, uh, good for 1.278 points per possession. Normally, that's an outstanding points per possession, but in terms of you know ranking that, in terms of everyone else uh, being unguarded and shooting, uh, that's 24th percentile. So that's not. So he almost does better when he's guarded. It yes. Sounds like you know. I mean, yes. It's, and, it's well, one of those... and I think the eye test would probably back that up right. as well. All right. right. Let's shift over to the defensive mm-hmm. uh, side of the ball. We know that that was a focus for him coming into the season. It's somewhere where again, David and I often talk about this. He's he's probably never going to be an outstanding defender. No. What what I think um, the the team wants to see, what I think fans want to see, is don't be a devastating net negative on the defensive end, and then have your offense make up for some of the deficiencies that you lacked. But this season, I thought he still really struggled with timing, space, uh, especially footwork on his help defense. He right. got killed time after time recovering to shooters, and you could see him do the same things that he did in year one in terms of the feet shuffles, mm-hmm. that moving back before moving forward, some of these things where you go, okay, these are very fundamental things that he still has to work on in terms of his defense. Right, and, and if you don't have those fundamentals down, you will get exposed in the NBA. And so and it was... It was disappointing for me that he didn't get better on defense this year, mm-hmm. I thought. And there was plenty of times when he was watching the movement of the ball or someone slashing down the lane or passing over to the other side, and he would almost completely turn his head and lose the person that's behind him. Yeah. And so that happened a lot where players were able to basically sneak behind him and get corner threes mm-hmm. or get corner shots um, or be able to go baseline and, and cut across baseline and surprise him and get a pass underneath the basket. So that happened a lot. And that was one of the things that really stood out to me in addition to the footwork, in addition to, I think he just needs to, you know, get stronger. Well, on, on, I was going to say that's part of the problem. So he's playing center mm-hmm. and so he's having to help closer to the basket. And because he's not as big, not as strong as some of these centers, if he's going to help, if he's going to affect shots, affect drives that are coming at him, you know, he has to attack early. And, and he's not, he doesn't, again, he doesn't have that great burst of speed when he first gets going. So I, I think he positions himself a little closer than some people would, which, uh, is going to lengthen that uh, you know amount of time that he has to get back out to that shooter, and right. when he's ball watching, it doesn't help. All these things kind of compound to really um, uh, not help him on defense. No, absolutely, and I think that if he doesn't get stronger and he insists on basically playing or. Clifford insists on having him as a center, then that's going to open up a lot of opportunities for the other team because that's basically going to put a target on his back and say, "Look, you know, this is a guy that we can either." You know, run if we run enough circles around him, get him confused, or just give give a bigger guy the ball and and let him bully him. Basically, you know, it's funny. I don't when I think back to how Cody played defense his first couple of years, I would definitely characterize that as being confused. Like I Absolutely. felt like he was confused. Well, I don't feel that way with Frank Kaminsky when I watch him play defense. I don't feel like he's he doesn't know where to be. I just feel like there are limitations. Well, he's just not doing the right thing sometimes, and then there are limitations to what he can do, and he's playing out of position sometimes, and there's right. there's different things going on, but I just wouldn't characterize it as confused. I think he, he has a very high basketball IQ. I just think that it's, it's um, 
just having that defensive mentality of, uh, you know, knowing the fundamental things that you have to do and then executing those play after play, it's difficult, especially for a player that is not defensive minded. Again, you're looking for an improvement to a an average level, not, you know, not someone who needs to excel on every play. No, absolutely. And I think that, but what I'm referring to is when he would turn his head and lose yeah, yeah. the defender behind him, allow those guys to either sneak open open shots or sneak baseline for, for a yeah. A pass as well. So I think that you're right. Frank does have a very high defensive IQ. The thing about Steve Clifford and Steve Clifford's teams, though, is that they will always run the defense through the center. And that's one of the reasons why maybe Cody might have looked a little confused his first few years in the mm-hmm. league, because he had to learn how to basically direct the guys and direct the the players in front of him, because as a center, you're supposed to be able to see everything. Which, may, it, which may be why he I thought he played better when he did get a chance to start and got to play alongside better. Mar- Well, Martin Williams, who has been noted as a quarterback for this Mm -hmm. defense, when he doesn't have... You know some of those responsibilities. Maybe that helps him, and that was a big moment for Frank Kaminsky when he did assume the starting role for the injured Cody Zeller in February. Uh, He really started to find his rhythm and play more confidently. It was the the road trip right before the All Star game (laughs) uh, when they went out west that Steve Clifford points to as sort of a turning point for uh, his season, and in February. Uh, Frank averaged 18 points per game, seven rebounds, nearly three assists, 43% shooting on 15 attempts, and 38% from three. The 15 attempts really stand out to me, Claire, because he found an aggressiveness on offense. He found his place. He got to work early, which is something that they do for Cody Zeller. They did the same thing for Frank when he got in there Mm -hmm. and he took the most, uh, you know, he he did the most with that opportunity. No, absolutely. And it goes back to what we were talking about earlier with, you know, he, he needs to have other people on the team be able to create diversions for him Mm -hmm. to, to really excel. Um, And he was aggressive and he was, but I mean, I think that was also in part because he was playing with better offensive players who were able to create better diversions in order for him to be able to get open shots. Now, that's not to say, that's not to say that he's, you know, he's, all of a sudden falling off with the second team. I think well, I just think that well, I think he is, but I think it's the Frank conundrum at this point because it's like to for Frank to play better offensively, he probably has to play with the starters. Right. But because of his defensive limitations, he, he can't. you can't play him with the starters. Right, right. So, yeah, no, I completely agree. Yeah, and it's one of those things where I, if if he wants to be a consistent starter, um, or even if he wants to challenge Cody for the starting position, uh, he's got to get better on defense. He can't be, you know, if he's going to be the center, he can't be drifting up towards the the uh, free throw line. He has to, he has to stay down. He has to stay center. He can't be losing players behind him. He, well, they and, played, you know, they played Cody and Frank together a lot, especially in the latter half of the year. And I, mean, I they thought were, it worked. They were getting nine or ten minutes. So yeah. I don't know if Frank. I mean, I know he did play center and he played well mm-hmm. um, but there were rebounding issues when he plays center there are defensive issues when he plays center so I still think that if Frank Kaminsky is going to assume a starting role at some point in his career with the Charlotte Hornets um, barring you know trade or something that right. uh, yeah. <laughs> that, the, that makes him not a Charlotte Hornet anymore <laughs> right. uh, but if he does I, I still think it's going to be at the power forward position uh, I don't think he's quite um, you know, locked into that same situation that Cody was when they realized that he should be a center. I, I think that Frank can still be uh, good at the power forward position and present matchup problems for this team, but he just he's got to figure some things out with rebounding and uh, defense as well. No, absolutely, and and like I said, I thought that when he and Cody were playing together, I thought that was the best Frank probably looked is when he was playing mm-hmm. off of Cody, and you know even. 
Yeah, game, even game the, against Toronto when he had 30-plus, mm-hmm. uh, and, and he had uh, six or seven games this season where he scored double-digit figures in the fourth quarter. And right. we talked a lot about the problems that this team had both offensively and defensively in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was one guy that was able, along with Kimball Walker, to sort of find that confidence, find that edge that you need right. uh, to help deliver wins in the fourth quarter. He was able to do that, and it led to uh, his – Best drop of the year brought to you by uh, Fox Sports Southeast and Eric Collins, but also brought to you brought to us by uh, Captain Kurt and uh, at Hornets Gifts on Twitter. Here it is. Only the big ones for Frank. Only the big ones for Frank Kaminsky, (laughs) and he knocked down a few this season. So again, I think to wrap this up, you could describe Frank's season as inconsistent, Mm -hmm. but there were moments of positive development, I think that as hard as this is, because there are so many emotions wrapped around that draft that he was selected in and players that... Uh, People fans, still want Justice Winslow. <laughs> right. Fans want to see on this team more than Frank Kaminsky. There are some emotions. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's tough to say we have to be patient with Frank Kaminsky. Um, and it's also tough because you know when you're looking at players that really need to take a step up if this team is going to um, you know, improve their bench mm-hmm. uh, and, and improve their position next season. Frank Kaminsky is definitely one of those guys. Uh, so we'll have to see how he develops next season. No, absolutely. And I think that it's not uncommon for guys to take a couple years to kind of develop in the NBA, especially big men. Um, but so this is the end of Frank's second year. So I think this third year coming up is kind of kind of be a make or break for him. I think that if he doesn't improve defensively, especially on the fundamentals that you mentioned, um, it's it's going to be tough to you know try and say well his offensive capabilities makes up for that defensive lapses or whatnot. I mean he's gonna he's just gonna have to step it up. He's gonna have to get more aggressive and he's gonna have to uh, really hunker down. All right, that's Frank Kaminsky. We will be recapping every single Charlotte Hornet and their season that was in the next couple of weeks. Uh, Thank you, Claire, for joining me for this one. Absolutely. Thank you. Like what you hear? Consider sharing this podcast with other Charlotte Hornets fans. The easiest way? Our new website, LockedOnHornets.com. There you can download the podcast, listen to our latest episodes, and check out Locked On Hornets live on Tuesdays at 6 p.m.